Hi there, this is Gary Rogowski. Welcome to Splinters Podcast from the Northwest Woodworking Studio. I hope everyone's healthy, hanging in there. I have a, I have a parable today. I have a, I have a story with, with meaning instead of the wacky ones I've been giving you. Actually, this, this happened just, just recently, just a few days ago. I, I just found it so interesting and I thought I'd tell you about it. I'm out uh, out in the country visiting some friends of mine while keeping appropriate social distance. They got a whole bunch of acres they visit every every weekend, and and I went out there to say hi and go for a hike and things in the woods and uh, mushrooms, and birds, and flowers and things and skulls. <laughs> Jim found himself a a deer skull out there. Anyways. Um, End of the day, four o'clock or so. It's time for me to head on home, so I, I say my goodbyes and uh, give them all a wave goodbye and get in my rig and head for home. I decided I'm going to take a shortcut home because I know this shortcut. I was on this shortcut once, and so I know this shortcut. I'm going to take it home, find the road, and take it home. And won't that be good? I'll, I'll learn some of these these back roads and get this in my head. So I. I drove down the highway, not back the way I'd come, but went the other way. Following the river for a while and took a bend and got to this little town and I went through the town because that's what I remember doing and drove through it and took it up this road that I thought we had been on. I recognized it, but it dead-ended on me. And I thought, well, that's, that's weird. So I backed up, turned around, got the heck out of there and uh, kept on heading up this river road. And I was... Sure that I was going to come to the turnoff, and it was going to take me up into the hills, and that would be my shortcut home. So it was a couple miles before I finally found a turnoff, and it was going up this Heights Road, and I thought, that's perfect. That's just what I want to do, and I'm going to come out on this spot where we had stopped before, me and, uh, me and my friend before, and I'll, I'll be able to see the whole valley out in front of me, and I'll know I'm in the right spot. So I headed up this road, and the only trouble was I never got to that lookout. I never got to that spot, and I thought, well, that's that's odd. I, I must be further up the road. So I kept on going and never came to it, and, and then I got on top of this ridge, and it was clear I, I was not on the right road. But I thought, you know, I'm headed in the right general direction. Uh, I, I should point out that I'm not smart enough to have a smartphone. So I, I can't pull over and whip out a map and say, all right, here I am, and which way should I go? No, I just got an old flip phone, and, and it suits me, except in situations like this, when you need a map. And I didn't have a map with me, so I was just steering by the sun. I said, okay, yeah, that's, that's east, south, southeast. That's the right direction. I just head that way. So that's what I did, and I started driving and went through a little community. There was some name for it, but uh, it was mostly just some houses and trailers and stuff, and stuck in the woods, way back in the woods. And I, uh, you know, went past there, waved to somebody, and just kept on going. I wasn't going to stop and ask him for directions. No, I'm a guy. <laughs> we don't do that. I was going to find my way. It was it was going to work. It was going to be great. I would find my way. 
Only once I got past this little enclave of houses, there was a sign that said, unimproved road up ahead. That didn't sound like the way I had been on the road that I had been on before. It did not sound like I was traversing known ground. No, that's for certain. But I got on it, and then it said nine and a half miles of unimproved road. I thought, well, that's an interesting thing to say. You didn't say it was a dead end. You said there was nine and a half miles. So after nine and a half miles, it should improve, right? So off I went. Now, it turns out this road was mostly a logging road and uh, pretty flat and wide. You know, they've got long loads that they need to get around the bend. So there, there weren't too many curves. It was pretty straight, really. It was pretty straight stretch. And I drive past clear cuts and then replantings and full forests, tall forests. You know, the whole cycle of life out there on a tree plantation, tree farm. I was just headed out there, and after about, I don't know, a couple of miles, I saw somebody parked. I said, okay, there's people out here. That's good. And I drove further and saw someone else in the truck. I didn't see anyone. I saw the truck. So I was thinking, all right, so this is an area that people come to for whatever reason. Maybe they were hunting mushrooms and flowers that day, too. I don't know. And I kept on going. I said, you know... It's not going to take that long for me to get this nine and a half miles done. And I'll be there. It'll be great. And I'll, you know, know which way to go once I hit pavement and take my shortcut, which has turned into not so short a cut after all. I'll get it home. So I kept kept driving. Kept on driving. All of a sudden, there's Mount Adams. Oh, hello. (laughs) Hello, big boy. That's a big mountain. I'm wondering if I'm now just headed on a Forest Service road, but there are no Forest Service signs. Every once in a while, there's a sign for a private forest, and it's gated. And I thought, okay. Well, I can turn around any time. I know exactly how to get back. I can turn around at any time. Again, something guys don't do well. But I was ready. I was ready to turn around. But I kept on going. And road was nice and level, pretty clean, sometimes gravel, sometimes just hard-packed dirt. Did see a sign that said, impassable when wet, which gave me a little pause, but the weather was nice and hadn't rained recently, and traction was just fine, and big wide road, so I just kept on heading down it. That's what, you know, that's what I was doing for, I don't know, half an hour or so, just driving. No one came the other way, didn't see any people out there, but I just kept at it, said to myself, just stay with it. Stay on course. I, I noticed the odometer roughly around that, back at that sign, the nine and a half mile sign. So I knew roughly what I had to get to. And I said, I'll get to that and then I'll make a choice. I can turn around or I keep on going if I think there's there's something there. But there should be something there, right? I had faith in this sign, nine and a half miles. I believe this sign. Because there were some other signs along the road, and they said, dead end. I said, okay, that's good. That's good information. Don't want to go down that road. So I kept driving, and I kept driving, and I kept driving. And finally, I'm up to nine miles on the odometer from where I had started on this stretch. And I said, got to come soon. It's got to come soon, or I'm going to turn around. And I just, there's, you know, it's time. 
and then I turned it, turned down this one little stretch, and there were tire tracks right in front of me that had made a U-turn and headed back in the direction I was pointed. And I said, huh, somebody turned around here. Somebody chickened out here on this road. And I was completely ready at that moment to turn around and go back the way I'd come. I was ready. But they went back to where they came from. I'm following those tracks. And not 500 yards later, there was the road. There was the pavement. I'd made it. And I was that close. <laughs> I mean, I had hit my nine and a half mile mark. And, and I said, one more, one more curve here. And then I saw those tire tracks. And that's how, I, that's how I made it through. And I found the highway and turned on it and found my way home. And my shortcut turned out to be kind of a long cut. But it's the sort of thing that reminds me when these things happen that sometimes you got to just stick it out. You just got to play your hand all the way through. Made a choice. Might be a good choice. Might not be a good choice. But sometimes you just play it through. And we're in that situation now where we just got to hang on and play it through. So we got to just sit tight, stay the course, and believe there's going to be some kind of end to all this stuff, this, this road we're on. I don't know, it's not much of a, not much of a parable, but it, it reminded me of some hikes I've taken where I just said, oh, I can't go any further. I can't, I just can't. And then, well, then you do. And you get to where you wanted to go, and that perseverance pays off. I have a couple of short sections in my book, Handmade, that I'm going to read to you that touch on this same subject. Some things in nature have made a lasting impression on me. Rivers, waterfalls, mountains. One such location was a particular trail in the Cascade Mountains that I found with Wheaton. My friend Wheaton. Abner Ridge, a place in the forest that seemed to call me back over time. Wheaton and I, with my dog Joe Willie and two other hikers whose names are lost in memory, went for a hike up the Abner Ridge Trail. We went up at one spring to scale the western face of the mountain as high as we could reach because someone had told us we could get pretty far up this way. We were young then and energetic with our new ice axes in hand, and we thought we could climb up the mountain anywhere. I do not remember that hike. Was it long or short? What did we see along the way? Had Wheaton's hands recovered enough from his accident to be trustworthy? We drove into the Cascade Range on the west side of the mountain to a place called Daisy Plain. From there we walked in three or four miles to Klickitat Falls on a flat trail that was never straight, but not hard walking. The falls there were pretty enough that I wanted to stop and stare at them for a long time. There's a lot of worn ground there. Many feet have walked around these blue rivulets that tumble down a series of short rock falls. Water rushing in a fountain of blue and noise all hurrying down the rocks in the middle of the forest. It's glorious. But that day we had a hike to make, a mountain to climb. We needed to get moving. We'll see it again on the way back, I thought to myself. From those falls, we hiked four miles up a trail that was so long there were only three switchbacks in a 2,000-foot elevation gain. It was unmarked on my U.S. Geological Survey map, but it started from the falls and headed up the long spine of Abner Ridge to the wilderness area. I put pencil marks on my map to indicate where we walked, because on my map there was no trail marked out. Not this trail. I don't remember the walk being long or boring or inspiring. I remember only being up top at the tree line where trees cannot grow any higher up the mountain. It was cloudy out, so there wasn't much to see. Occasionally, the mountain would peek out at us from above. The trail had disappeared, so we wandered around looking for a way up. 
We hadn't hit much snow yet, only a few patches. What we had run into, finally, were rocks. The humans could scale them with some effort, but not Joe Willie, my dog. We could push him up a few rock faces, but it was going to be tough to get him down. Even an able-bodied Brittany Spaniel like him could not climb here. We tried one section and another. They were all too sheer for him to leap, so we said, that's enough. I marked my map to record where we had been, going off trail like we had. I thought we would be back soon. When I was young, I thought I'd get back to everything soon, to retrace my steps. What could life possibly throw in the way? So we gave up our ascent and tried glissading down some icy patches of snow, using our ice axes as brakes. We would run along the snow and then jump onto our backs to slide downhill and practice the arrest of our fall with our axes. We'd managed a decent arrest with his axe. With my first go at it, I stuck my landing and hit the icy snow so hard I felt like I had broken a rib. Maybe I did. I could barely breathe without pain, so I stopped my my ice axe practice right there. It was one of several accidents that seemed to walk with us on this hike. We returned, me gasping for breath the whole way home. There my memory of the hike stops. And on my map still are those pencil lines indicating where I thought we had gotten to. On the map, right at its edge, before it disappears into the whiteness of where that next map would begin, it says, View. This section is later on in the book, and it's called Abner Ridge. Years later, almost 35 years later from my first hike up it, I pulled out my map of Abner Ridge, and there was that penciled-in trail on the side of the mountain. I wanted to walk that trail again, this time with the beagle, my beagle Jimmy. We had to go past Klickitat Falls, up the ridge, and then find those old pencil marks. The trailhead was in a different spot from what I remember, but we found the falls fairly soon. They were still beautiful. We headed up the ridge. The Abner Ridge Trail had somehow grown longer over the years. And it was not just long. It was painful and long. The switchbacks each seemed to take miles. I hiked for hours to get close to the top of this ridge. It took forever. Now, hiking in the forest can be exhilarating, a race against yourself for time, a challenge to surmount. Or it can settle into a slow, steady meditation on the forest, your place in it and in the world. It can be a slow and tedious march. This one was a long trip uphill with only the beagle to talk to. He was older than two, about ten years old, so he stayed in line pretty well. The walk took hours, with no views except of trees. At one of the switchbacks, I finally got a glimpse out between these trees, north, maybe to Washington, I didn't know. Mostly what I saw some distance away were a lot more trees. It was nice to get this new sense of scale, but as soon as I turned around, it was back up into the forest and the trees. The trail wound along the side of a long slope. A beautiful, tall, dark grove of conifers took over one section of the walk. We walked between their trunks, then around them to the switchback, and finally I looked through the tops of them down at their bases below me. This was a slow perambulation of a tree's growth habit. After four hours of hiking, we finally got up to a small spring and pond. There was a bit of grass to rest on. I set down my space blanket to sit on and got out some lunch. The beagle became my new best friend then, and we shared a bit of a sandwich. I was tired. I was dog-tired, I had to admit. This trail just didn't want to stop, and it was kicking my butt. It kept going on forever, and I wanted to turn around. I had seen enough trees for one day. That's all I had seen that day were trees. It had been a good hike, but getting home would be good too. We had plenty of daylight, but it had been a long day. Why keep pushing if there was nothing to see up here? The map said view, but where was it? I had no clue. 
Maybe time had muddied the view or my memory of it. I kept thinking about the long walk back home. Downhill is tough on the knee. I figured I'd given it a good shot, but I was tired. It was getting on toward mid-afternoon and didn't look like this mountain was ever going to end. It was whooping me good this day. But even then, after 30 years of this tromping around in the woods, it gets my goat if I can't reach my goal. I don't fly up the hillsides like I used to just to go fast. But I do like to get a view for all my efforts. And there I was, pretty high up on this ridge, and by God, I hadn't really seen squat but trees. So I checked the map again, and something in me said, just keep going. For a little ways more, see what you see. Keep going. Up around the bend. Just go up around the bend and see what's there. We have to be close enough to see something. We have to be. So I argued with myself for a little while, and then I gave myself 15 minutes more of hiking. If we were still in the trees by then, I'd turn around. I was tired of going up. But up and up is the only way I said to myself. I moved on. After climbing for 10 or 15 minutes more, I got this glimpse of way down south. Too hazy a day to see much, but Mount Jefferson was out there and more beyond it, so I knew I was close. Then we turned a corner on the trail and hit the edge of the ridge line. We came out on a great meadow line with flowers and a few spare trees scattered about us, and then, there, right in front of us, bigger than a fist in your eye, was the mountain. All 11,000 and some feet of him just sitting right before me. It was like having a birthday with all my presents, and they were all hard to unwrap. And then when I wasn't expecting very much, I got more than my heart's desire. It was a sight. Fine sight. And my goodness, hard not to yell and shout about. I looked up at the mountain. Down I stared at the carved out river valley some 2,000 feet below me. They had walked on some time before. Distance was mine in every direction. I could look out for miles. This opening, this reveal stunned me. I had no idea that this was my goal. I never remembered it like this. And truly that trip we took oh so many years ago must have been on a gray day. Me and the beagle picked our way along this little trail through the remains of the wildflowers and some late bloomers and came up the edge of a precipice which looked down into the Klickitat River Gorge and across to the west side of the mountain. Oh, it was hundreds, thousands of yards away and nothing between it and us but air. And the mountain, well, the mountain just kept going up and going up. And if you walked along the edge of the cliffside and looked south, you saw the river going south and the canyon it had carved out and the flanks of the mountain looking placid and not steep at all. And beyond were the Cascades stretching out south. It was a fine and stupendous viewpoint and I had almost missed it and wondered why we hadn't marked it on the map, but it must have been winter or cloudy. But my goodness, what a view. The beagle and I sat. I took a dozen pictures of my surprise landfall, but by then it was three in the afternoon. We had to get back before we lost the sun. The view was a feast. I could have kept at it for hours, but it was enough to have seen it, to have waited for this, to, to have put up with the pain for this astonishing picture in my mind. It was time for us to beat it downhill before the sun did. It was an eight-hour hike before it was all said and done. No one had busted into our car. In the parking lot, there were four guys on mountain bikes filming themselves jumping off small hillsides. Not quite as impressive as the mountain view I had received that day, I thought, but there you have it. Folks just have their own interests in life. We made it back okay, and although the beagle didn't seem too impressed by the view, I will never forget what getting up off my tired old butt and trudging onward won me that day. It was a gift, and I would never have seen it 
or tried it again if I hadn't gone out on that clear day. My note that I wrote to myself after getting back home. Nothing like eight hours of hiking to take your mind off your troubles and put them onto your knees. I think of that hike up Abner Ridge as bringing something full circle, but it's never really that way. The music doesn't swell and the credits don't run in a life that always stays fulfilled. I keep living, struggling, working through the low times, trying to enjoy the high times. I try to understand my responsibility to pass on to others what I have learned. All I know is that we, none of us, have much time on this earth. We are here for a short while. There will be evidence if we choose to do this creative work. We need to make things that leave a mark, a good mark. One that says someone was here trying to do something of value. Speak up. Pass along the knowledge that we have. So that others may benefit from it and make a life for themselves. Show that the act of forgiveness is one of our most important tasks. Leave good evidence of yourself. Do good work. That's how my book ends. It was an amazing hike. It really was an amazing hike that I didn't want to finish. I was ready to quit. That drive I took a few days ago was nothing by comparison in terms of the struggle of getting up that hill slide. Stay the course. It's going to take time. That's it for me. Thanks very much for listening. I appreciate it if you've hung with me through this story, stories. And uh, I appreciate your support. If uh, you have uh, questions or comments, you can go to our website and contact me through that or go to coffee, buy me a coffee, post something there. Stay healthy, take care of yourselves. Be good. Adios.